to The Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods, and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. What's up, amigos? We're back with The Prodigy Maker Show. Episode 45, Chris Lewitt here, and it's great to be back with you guys and my loyal audience talking about the dirty tricks. This is sort of part two, talking about the dirty tricks department. I have a new article that's coming out for New York Tennis Magazine where I talked about the top 20 dirty tricks in tennis that I've seen over the years in junior tennis, college tennis and on the pro circuit. And so I just thought it's a great article because it's helpful for kids to learn what to expect when they go to a tournament, all the dirty deeds that are out there, the manipulation, the cheating. It's pretty bad out there. I think tennis, and it's another topic entirely, but tennis is a complete embarrassment. Junior tennis is a complete embarrassment in terms of the amount of cheating and gamesmanship going on. I've talked about that in previous shows, and I've written about that in many articles, but that's another subject, and I hope uh, the listeners probably agree with me and will do everything they can to clean up the game, but I think uh, junior tennis right now, the state of the game is completely tarnished, unfortunately. So when we send our kids, our little tigers, out into battle, we have to make sure that they are ready and then prepared and not naive and unfortunately, I think many kids are naive and they don't know what's really happening. They don't have a lot of street smarts. And so I try to prepare my players to be uh, ready for anything at the tournament. And I think that will be helpful for any of you guys too, anyone who's listening or watching the show. And hopefully you'll share these topics with your junior players, if you're a coach, or with your son or daughter, and hopefully it will help them to be more ready for tournaments. I also did a show three, three shows ago, episode 42. So that was sort of part one in this series. And in that show, I talked about, you know, dirty tricks and how players manipulate. And we talked about the big three. I think the top three were changing the score, uh, what else do we talk about? We talked about bad line calls. You know, that's pretty common. You, the player will change the score. There'll be manipulation of line calls. And we sort of talked about uh, how a, a student that I know would sometimes call close balls out, but also play close balls that were in. And then, of course, the, the standard cheating the, is, is changing the, the score. Changing the score, calling the ball out on the lines one way or the other, sort of the top two or three ways to, to cheat that are very, very well known and common. But my goal in writing the top 20 dirty tricks in the dirty tricks department were to delineate some of the lesser known dirty tricks that players encounter. So I want to get through those on the show today. I'm happy to take any questions that you have. This show is about junior tennis and high-performance junior development, and I think this is a big part of it. As I mentioned at the onset of the show, unfortunately, there are there's rampant cheating and manipulation tactics going on in junior tennis, and it's a real shame. But we have to prepare our players to be strong, to be ready, to be on guard, to know what they're going to face. So, without further ado, let's get into the dirty tricks. Also, at the end of the show, I'd be interested in hearing from you guys. Are there any dirty tricks that I missed? Are there dirty tricks that you know of that I didn't put in the list? 
I'm sure I missed some. You know, I just tried to rack my brain for the top 20 and put together a nice article for New York Tennis Magazine. That'll be coming out, I think, next month. And I also, as soon as I finished the article, I started thinking of ones that I missed. So I will try to, if we have time, I will try to share with you a very important dirty trick that I, I sort of missed. Okay, so let's get into the list of, of dirty tricks, the top 20. And number one is, as I mentioned, the, the, the two or three big ones, calling balls out that are close to the line. As many of you know, this is, when people talk about cheating, it's almost always relating to the line calls, you know, bad line calls in tennis. So tennis is a really messed up sport because the rules of the game are anachronistic, are outdated in, in many ways. And the old rules of the game say that players can call their own lines, which I think is so detrimental to the game. Nowadays, where competition is cutthroat, players shouldn't be allowed to call their own lines, but they are allowed to call their own lines, and therefore, we have so much of this type of cheating. You know, it's, it's an important point. Ball close to the line. It's too tempting for most kids and adults, by the way. I mean, this show is about junior development, but I have a lot of adult fans and listeners, too. You know, there's a lot of cheating in adult tennis. There's a lot of cheating in adult league tennis. So if you're an adult watching, you can also benefit from being preparing yourselves. But, uh, I mean, the main focus of the, sh of the show is, is for kids, you know, kids and, and families around the kids. So, you know, watch out for the line calls. Oftentimes, uh, players will pull out bad line calls on big points, you know, weighty points, points that have a lot of impact, like game point or a set point. Uh, so be on guard for that. And, you know, I've written many articles and um, maybe we would we'll produce another show where we talk about how to deal with all these dirty tricks and what steps you can take. I wrote a very good article, I think one or two years ago, that was, I believe it was also for New York Tennis Magazine where I talked about how to handle cheating when you face it. And there are a number of steps that you can take, but suffice it to say, probably the number one dirty trick is bad line calls. And, and it's sort of almost a cliche or a joke in junior tennis. Oh, you're going to get hooked. You're going to get a bad line call. Why do we allow that? Why do we allow that to exist in our sport? That should, there should be no way that you can play a match and get a bad line call. It should, personally, I think it should all be automated through technology. Or we should have an umpire on every, every court or uh, so, some sort of safeguard against that. But that's the number one most common method, mode of cheating is simply putting up the finger and saying, oh, sorry, that was out. You know? Okay, number two. I talked about this on episode 42. Is Sometimes you get a devious player who will play out balls in and then sort of as a corollary, they will argue about it. But, uh, for example, and we'll talk about this a little later too, a lot of players like to pretend that they're good sports. You know, they're actually not a cheater. And they sort of throw it back on you and say, what are you talking about? I, I just played that ball. It was a close ball. I played it. You know, so sometimes they'll play, uh, especially on a serve, some players will play a serve that's out, and they'll play it in and surprise you. So you have to be ready for that. Let's say it's a... A first serve or a second serve and you miss it by a little bit you know you miss it so you sort of stop playing but the opponent a devious opponent will play that shot and then if if um, if you question them they'll say no 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 that was in you know uh, so watch out for that it's a little spin on the bad line call it's a line call in your favor but it's not actually in your favor it is uh, a trick, a dirty trick. And then, of course, the, your rival will try to spin it around on you and say, whoa, 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 that, that was, I played that. That was, that was a good shot. You know, I'm calling the lines fair here. And then inevitably, probably later on down the road, uh, your rival will cheat you on another call, a close one, and say, hey, hey I'm calling them fair, you know. Uh, so watch out for line calls both ways. If a player calls the, the close ones out, but also sometimes calls the out, close one out in, 
and you stop playing and you assume it's out, but they keep playing. You know. Okay. I want to say I'm doing this series on dirty tricks and some viewers reached out to me and said, Chris, I don't like the, the way these shows are going. You're talking about all the uh, cheating and how to do it. And look, I'm not producing these shows or writing these articles so to promote cheating. I'm trying to get kids to stop cheating. And I, I don't teach my students to cheat. I don't teach my students to employ uh, any illegal dirty tricks. A few of the dirty tricks on this list are legal and I think are more acceptable. But in terms of illegal dirty tricks, I, I certainly don't coach that to my students and I would admonish anyone who did. And I, want, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. These shows, these articles, the series of articles that, that, that I'm producing are, are to try to help the good ones. I'm trying to help the nice kids, the kids who are getting their lunch eaten out there or getting their lunch money stolen uh, in, in the schoolyard here. I'm, this is not for the sharks to take advantage of and to use against the, the more innocent kids. So I'm trying, my goal is child welfare, child protection, and to support players who want to go out and play good, clean tennis. They don't want to uh, engage in any shenanigans, uh, uh, manip to, you know, illegal manipulations. And I want to support those players and protect them and try to... Uh, create a way for, for them to go into a tournament that may be full of sharks and to play a, a match uh, and get through it unscathed, rel relatively unscathed, even though against a determined cheater, it's going to be uh, terrible. It's, it, it might not be uh, an enjoyable experience, but try to protect children as they go into battle. That's the goal of this podcast and the articles that I'm writing. Now, there may be some determined... Uh, uh, cheaters out there who, who are who are quite wily and cagey, and they might take some of the ideas from the show or from the articles and use them against an innocent opponent. But that I, I don't know what to say about that. I, I have to talk about these issues. I want to share them, and my goal is to try to protect children, not not to enable bad kids out there. Anyway, number three, and uh, kind of related to number two is. Cheaters and manipulators, these types of kids or adults, they, they want to argue with you. They're going to try to argue with you about stuff. So I said number three is arguing about anything. So it could be a close line call like I was talking about with number two. It could be anything. It could be arguing about the score. It could be arguing about the time that you're taking. Arguing about anything. Basically... Cheaters and manipulators on the tennis court, they want to get in your head and they want to talk to you. They want to get you talking. They want to get into it. You know, they want to get into a back and forth. And I talked about it in episode 42. You want to stay away from that crap. You want to keep out of any kind of distracting argument, talk that will get you out of your zone. Your job as a player is to try to stay in the zone to stay in the flow, to play your best tennis, to play your peak tennis. And your job is, in, in some ways, if you, your job is to try legally to get your opponent out of their zone, but not illegally. What cheaters will do, what, what really dirty players will do is they'll do anything in their power to try to distract you, to get you talking, to argue with you. And once you, for me at least, when I get into those types of arguments, I usually don't focus well following. Some players are able to get into it, have a heated exchange, and then go play the next point well. But I, I find that that is really the, more the exception than the rule. For myself, when I was competing, pro circuit, college, juniors, as I became more savvy, is I would try to get my opponent to shut up. I would tell them to be quiet. Don't talk to me. If you have something to say, you say it to the umpire. Go get, go get the tournament director or something like that. And I think that is a much better tact for most personalities. Now, if you have the type of personality, like you're a future trial attorney, and you want to get at it with someone, and then you're able to go back to the baseline 
and play really good tennis, that's something different. I'll leave that up to you. But in general, I would recommend not getting into a lot of arguing with a manipulator because they're usually very good at arguing and they're probably going to spin the story around and get in your head and say things that push your buttons. And before you know it, you know, you're focusing more on arguing about this or that than actually how you want to compete, how you want to put together your points, your strategy, and you're losing control of, of, of your own game. So I, I think as a general rule, try to stay out of those confrontations unless you're very good at arguing and, and, and it doesn't affect your game, if that makes sense. Number four on the list is calling let's. So, and I also have number five here calling serve lets. So this is a pretty common one. It's very simple. By the way, for those who are watching live, if you have some dirty tricks that you'd like to throw out there for me uh, via Facebook, you can do that. And I appreciate you guys watching. I appreciate you guys tuning in live. I know it's the middle of the day and we've been a little erratic on our podcast and show scheduling right now, mainly because of the pandemic and I'm homeschooling all of my kids. So that's really what's been going on, guys. I apologize for that. I've been trying to get to you as frequently as, we, as I can because I miss doing the show and I miss connecting with the audience. But as a uh, let's, calling let's and calling serve let's. This is a very common, fairly common um, way of cheating, right? And what will happen is, you know, maybe you, um, your opponent will hit, or you'll hit a great serve, and returner will say, no, 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 let, you know. And that's a tough one because according to the rules of tennis, the returner is allowed to call a let. It's, uh, it's their call, I believe. And so you end up with this, you're going to end up in a big argument either way because they're going to say let. You're going to say, no, no, I didn't touch the net. And then who, who, who knows? Because, I mean, we don't have, it's not like the Pro Tour where they have uh, a lead device, electronic device, or in the old days they had someone listening for the lead, you know. So it's just going to end up being a huge argument either way, and which is good for the manipulator. They love that. You know, the, the dirty tricks player loves that. Uh, so, so be on the lookout for, for lets, especially serve lets. The ball's coming fast. And cheaters love to call that, that let and maybe get a do-over when they are, or like they take a big crack at a forehand and then call a let. Imagine that, a returner. You can't do that. You can't just crack a forehand and then, oh, oh, I missed it. I'll call a let. And kids try to do that. Adults try to do that too. Uh, in general, lets, sometimes you're in, you get into the point like serves in play, returns in play, and a dirty tricks player will, you know, maybe they're down in the point, they're in trouble, and they'll, they'll call let. Like maybe a, a ball's dribbling onto the court, but it's not affecting play. You know, it's not like a real let where there's a disturbance. It's maybe just a, a player came over to your side a little bit, or, or a ball's in the way back there. They'll call let just to piss you off, you know, just to get in. Uh, also to get a redo in the point. But that is another one to look out for. Watch out for those types of lets. I had a friend who played on the pro circuit. He was telling me how one of his buddies, it's a crazy story. I never saw this. He would hold a ball in his pocket, right? And so when he was grinding out the point, if he was down in a point, he'd spill the ball out of his pocket, ball dribbles on the court, he'd play, call let. And I thought that was very devious. I've never seen that before myself, but he said it was very effective play but you could do it from anything like you know it could be something in the back or any kind of uh distraction that's close you can call, try to call let on and get a redo you know so imagine that imagine you're playing someone a ball pops out of their pocket out of nowhere they call let you know when you're winning the point you know i thought that was a funny story all right we have uh scott austin what's up scott austin the professional wrestler what's up man he says, do you ever re recommend hooking a cheater back? So this is uh, some, a topic that I've uh, written about a lot and talked about a lot. Very controversial question. Thanks a lot, man. Put me on the hot seat here. But I would say what I usually recommend is that this is something that a player has to discuss with their family and determine if they feel that it's within their value system to ever try to cheat back and take a line call back. Because what 
most kids do, most of the top kids in my experience in the country, they will cheat back. They will take the next point back to try to level the, the match and also to try to stop a determined cheater. So sometimes with a very determined cheater and manipulator, it's really the only thing that's going to stop them is if you, if you take matters into your own hands and, and, and you take the, the next one back or another point back and then you go talk to them, you say, look, cut the bullshit. No more cheating. One way or the other. It's not going to work. You're not going to get away with this. And we're just going to play a clean match from now on. And sometimes that will actually work at, at, uh, against a very, very determined, uh, experienced cheater. Sometimes that's the only way that they will respect you and, and stop. And it doesn't always work. But the problem is that means you're cheating too. And a lot of parents and families and kids themselves don't feel that that's morally right. They don't, they feel very uncomfortable doing that. And so I, I would never tell a kid they have to do that or, or instruct them to do that. So I, I hope that, uh, makes some sense. I, I always tell my players, look, it's an option. I'm not going to advise you to cheat back, but I'm going to, I have, I usually have meetings with the whole family, with the parents and the parents have to sort of, decide whether they feel that that's morally right or not for their child. I don't like to make that decision myself. But I do like to explain that sometimes when you're out there on court number 17 and there's no umpire around and you're playing a determined cheater, that no one else is going to come to help you there. And you're going to be out there on your own. And sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands. A lot of kids, a lot of top national ranked kids and international ranked kids will do that. And... You know, it, it is, it comes down to a, a moral question for, for the family. You know, some parents will say, never. I, I, it's not right. It's never right. And, and they'll tell their kids, look, if someone's cheating you, you're not going to cheat back, right? You're not going to, we don't stoop to that level. Two wrongs don't make a right. And then other families will, will, will make a decision, uh, uh based on their values. And they're, they're going to say, you know what? If someone's clearly hooking you, someone's clearly cheating you, I want you to take the next one back only as, as a retaliatory effort, only in retaliation, not proactively, so reactively, and, and we're morally okay with that. And I don't want to take one side or the other. So I'm going to strive, I'm going to saddle the fence on that one. And I feel like that's the only comfortable place I can be. I don't want to make that moral decision for my players, if that makes sense. Okay. So getting back to our list. Great question, Scott. Getting back to our list. Changing the score. All right. So that is, uh, a lot of people don't realize that that's a, that's, that happens a lot. And I consider it one of the big three, you know, the most common. It's either the, the score or the line, stuff with the lines. But the score, this is another terrible aspect of tennis, the rules of tennis, because the rules of tennis are so stupid. And they're based on the honor system. So if you lose track of the score, the rules of tennis say you're supposed to, you know, come to the net, have a discussion about it. And if you can't agree, you know what it says, right? You have to go back to the previously agreed upon score. I always remember that rule and it, it's such a stupid, outdated rule. They should change that. You know, first of all, someone should be keeping score for the competitors. Competitors shouldn't keep their own score. I don't know many sports that allow that, especially high, uh, sports that are very competitive, you know, that have um, a lot on, at stake. Tennis, in tennis, someone should keep the score for the, for the kids, especially for kids, because kids lose track of the score all the time. And you see it at the, you know, pro level, college level, the score is always kept for you. There's never these, these types of, uh, at, at high level pro, lo, lo, some of the low level pro tournaments, you, you keep your own score, but, but in general, you know, as you get to higher levels, the score is kept for you. But it's so easy for a devious kid, you know, a, a, for the dirty trickster to, you know, say, hey, oh, it's, it's, uh, 3-2, right? 3-2, or it's, uh, it's 15-40, right? When it's really not. And what's gonna ensue is an, is a big argument, you know, you got, Depending on, on the player's personalities, it can be quite, it can become quite heated. You know, it can, there's a big stall in the time. There's a lot of talking, a lot of, a lot of, uh, hey, you remember, you remember at this point, this point? It's all bullshit. You know, it's all shuck and jive. And it's all designed to get you out of your flow. And 
and get you distracted so you can lose your focus. You gotta watch out for this tactic. It's very common. And the, the cheater's gonna pretend like they're all innocent, like, no, 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 this is a 3-2. Remember, you did this, you did that. And meanwhile, you're spending all that energy and time arguing, you're losing your focus. You're losing uh, your, your concentration, what you should be focusing on, tactics, how I want to play this guy, what I want to do with the next point, you know, you're losing focus on the most important things of the match. And the cheater knows this. Manipulators know that. So remember, going back to rule number three, argue about anything. Manipulators want you to talk. They want you to get into it with them. So they're going to look for any sort of trigger throughout the match that they can uh, they can get you to talk and come up to the net, stall, change the, the timing dynamic, the rhythm of the, of the match, and get you out of your zone. They're going to do anything they can to get you to talk, to argue, to get, to debate with them, you know. So changing the score is a classic one. I don't know if I told you guys, uh, great, uh, great story. I might have shared it on episode 42, but I had a player. I'm not going to say who it was. I, I, n- I never named names, but, I think I did talk about it on episode 42. But anyway, this kid was a pretty good player, like top 10 in the East. We have a strong section in New York here. And, you know, maybe top 100 in the country. And this kid, he went on to play high-level tennis. I'm not going to tell you where he played. He played uh, on a good Division I school. Anyway, okay, this kid used to tell me, Chris, he'd say, you know, Chris, I love changing the score. It's my favorite tactic. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? He's like, Chris, yeah, when things aren't going well, I just change the score. Works, it's amazing. It works great. It's my, one of my favorite tactics. I was like, I was like, man, you can't do that. That's, that's illegal. You know, you know, he's like, no, Chris, it works so well. You wouldn't believe it. All I got to do is change the score. Sometimes I get the score that I want, but even if I don't get the score, it really messes with the other guy's head. And, you know, I tried over the years. I coached this kid for a few years. I tried really hard to get him to stop doing that, but I don't think I succeeded because he, he, he kept telling me that this was his favorite ploy in a match. I was like, dude, that's, that's cheating, man. I don't approve of that. I can't condone that. Anyway, I won't tell you who has a funny memory, but he, my point is, it does work. Why? Because it really gets in, it really creates a disturbance in the, in the flow of the match, and it's going to create a, a big argument. And sometimes the, the cheater will get the score that they want, or sometimes not, and they don't care. They just want to mess, mess with your head, you know? All right. Number seven. Talking to the opponent about anything. Watch out for small talk or compliments. Okay, that's a good one because when, you know, sometimes there's the, uh, the, the heated exchanges, the arguments, the, you know, like it's going to be like two attorneys going at it. No, 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 no. It's going to be a big heated exchange. But sometimes you have manipulators who will just talk about anything. You know, hey, say, hey, where do you train at? What club do you play at? Who's your coach? You know, you're hitting the ball really well today. Forehand. Your forehand's amazing today. You're serving really well. You know, this is the kind of bullshit that naive players don't realize what's happening to them. You know, they don't understand. That player is just trying to get you to lose your focus. Just trying to get you distracted. They can get you into some kind of conversation. Before you know it, you're not playing as well as you were before. So, watch out for small talk. I tell my players, you really shouldn't talk about anything. You sit down in the changeovers, nobody should talk to you. If that person's talking to you, you can pretty much assume that they are trying to manipulate you, that they are a con artist, that they are, that they're up to something, something no good. And maybe once in a while you get some kid who's just a nice kid who's just, talk, just wants to talk, find out where you play tennis at or where you're from. You know, but come on, guys. This is in high-level tennis and serious tennis. This is never the case. the the uh, the The player who's talking to you is is almost always almost always has a mal intent. A ba- uh, 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 is trying to to uh, is trying to manipulate you and affect the outcome of the match. Get into your head. So watch out for that. Okay, I have 
Number eight, number nine. Bathroom breaks are a specific one. And stalling is a version, a type of bathroom, you know, a bathroom breaks is a type of stalling and, or speeding up play. You know, this is very common. You see players who will slow things down. They'll speed things up. And your job as the opponent is to sort of manage that, to surf those waves. And, for example, if someone goes to the bathroom, they usually don't have to go to the bathroom. Like, that is a cover story. That's a lot of uh, shuck and jive. Again, it's bogus. They're probably going to the bathroom because they want to shut you down. They want you to cool off. They want you to lose your focus. They want you to maybe stiffen up a little bit. They want to shut you down. It's usually players take a bathroom break when you're playing well. Like, for example, you win a second set, and then player will say, oh, I'm, I'm going to take a bathroom break now. Or, or whenever they're down, they're usually going to take a bathroom break. You rarely see someone take a bathroom break when they are winning the match handily. You know, uh, apparently, uh, the call, call, call of nature doesn't come in those moments. You know, usually it's when you're, when you're losing, when you're not playing well. That you, you, the player will, you know, will call a bathroom break. Anyway, so watch out for that. Watch out for speeding up play. Watch out for changes in the timing and the rhythm of the match. Because, and this is a, a gray area. Sometimes legal, sometimes illegal. But, you know, bathroom breaks, time violations, speeding things up, slowing things down, tying the shoe putting up the hand, saying, hold on, I'm not ready. There's a lot of different tactics that cheaters, I don't want to say cheaters, manipulators. This is a gray area, not necessarily cheating sometimes. But why do people do that? People do that because they're trying, again, to disrupt your flow. If you're playing well at a certain tempo, they're going to try to change the tempo. If you're playing well, they're going to try to uh, chill you, chill you out shut you down for a little while, go to the bathroom, etc. Whatever they can do to get you out of your game. And some of that is legal and some of that is illegal. My buddy Jim Kane says, contributing to the show, uh, comments that as a parent, I would appreciate a coach or an official. If my son or daughter is a chronic cheater or a con artist, I would expect... Sorry, you got cut off there, Jim. I would like to be informed if my kid is a cheater etc. Yeah, I think you're referring to the story of uh, the kid that I used to coach. Well, it depends on the situation. Sometimes the kids learn that from their parents. So if a kid is learning how to cheat from their parents, either by the role model of their parents or by direct uh, uh, instruction by their parents or another coach, for example. I, I've had students who have other coaches or their parents Tell them to do that. That is a tough situation. Now, you as a coach can say, you know, I, don't, I find that uh, offensive and it, it crosses my moral line and I'm not going to work with that family or that player anymore. And I, I've certainly done that in the past. But in this case, I felt like this was a kid that I liked. Overall, this was a kid that I liked. And I was trying to mentor him and and change him and and slowly work to change that behavior get him to play more more honest and this was just something that he had learned like this was a a, a ploy that he had um in, in he had used over the years and he just like opened up to me and said yeah it is something that works really well for me and so over time i tried to discourage him from doing that and, and you know maybe find other ways to to uh, affect the outcome of the match that were legal. Uh, but I'm not sure I succeeded in that. But yes, you're, I mean, you make a good point. Some coaches would feel the, the moral responsibility to go directly to the parents and tell them. And I'm not sure that I had that conversation with his parents. I tried, I think I tried to work on that particular aspect just on my own. But Sometimes I will go to parents if, if, if something's really bad and I'm not making progress with it or if I notice uh, something egregious that, that, and the kid is not, is not listening or respecting what I have to say, sometimes that is some, I have done that. I, we've, I've had talks like that with many families. So I guess it's a case-by-case -case situation. In this situation, it's true. I did not 
I don't believe I had that talk with the parents. But, you know, Jim, you make a good point and you're bringing up a, uh, a very good uh, values uh, question. You know, you have to put your moral line in, this, in the sand and say, I, I'm not comfortable there. Or I need to speak with the parent about this if you witness something. You're right about that. Okay, we talked about illegal. Uh, okay, we were talking about stalling and, and speeding up play. I have number 10, illegal coaching. A very common, I mean, some of these are maybe a little bit less common than others, or maybe not the big three, but illegal coaching. Come on, you know, parents are doing that. Coaches are doing that. All the coaches do that. On the tour level, it's a big issue on the tour right now. And in junior tennis, same. Players have signals with their mom or dad. Players have signals with their coach. So it's something to be on the lookout for. You can try to combat it in a number of ways. You know, this show is sort of just about listing the top 20. If you guys are interested, we can have a show or two talking about how to combat some of these things. You know, that might be an interesting show. You know, how, to, how do you... What are some of the actual steps you can take to, to fight these things? And probably it's a, it's a needed show. But the, the goal here is to try to share with you, uh, to try to share with you all of the sort of the, the, the panoply of dirty tricks, the, the overall worldview, the, all of the, you know, a big, big list of what you might see. And then maybe we can dig into individual dirty tricks and how to actually stop them or fight them. Some of them are, are, some of them are close to unstoppable, unfortunately. Some of them are very difficult to fight, depending on, the, on what the rules say in the game. Uh, Scott Austin says, don't cheaters get a reputation in the tennis community or among tournament directors? I, maybe a little bit, but nobody, no, in my, my opinion, is nobody really cares that much. Uh, obviously, you can try to complain, but I think you mostly people that try to complain about this stuff, the, the, the complaints fall on deaf ears. And uh, everyone just kind of puts the earmuffs on, you know, they put their hands over their, uh, or, or they put their hands over their eyes and say, you know, yeah, there are some kids that are kind of known as, as, as kind of cheaters or, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's become such a fabric of the game at the junior level that most of the top kids do it, first of all. And, and it's just kind of become, it's woven into the fabric of junior tennis now where you, ex, you expect it. It becomes kind of a joke. It's kind of comical. It's like, oh, yeah, I got cheated. This guy cheated me. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really pernicious, and it's become uh, very much part of the game. Now, I'm not sure when that started or if it ever, ever was clean, a clean game, but as, as, as within my memory, uh, this has always been part of junior tennis, and I, I think I've talked about it many times. The USDA should, should do something about it. All the, all the tournament organizations, the, the organizations that host tournaments and regulate tournaments, they should, they should do everything in their power to clean up the game. But no, I think, uh, yeah, some kids will get a reputation, but I mean, who cares if some guy, they'll just go to another tournament. If, if one tournament director says, oh, I think your kid's cheating, I say, fine, I'm not coming back to your stupid tournament, I'll go to another tournament. You know, it just, I, I just don't think there, there's not a lot of, there, there's, there, there's, there isn't much, uh, repercut, there's not a lot of repercussions for the kids who are cheating now, slaps on the wrist, maybe, at the worst case, maybe someone's suspended for a month or two. It, it's, there's, not, there's not a lot of teeth in the punishments. And at, at the end of the day, most kids, I think, are doing it, especially at the top level. So it's just become accepted, more or less. Uh, I don't, if not accepted, it's just become part of, you know, part of the game. It's, it's become normalized, as they say. It's become somewhat normalized in junior tennis. All right, I talked about illegal coaching. Watch out for that. Personally, I think coaching should be allowed at all levels, and we can talk about that more another time. But uh, that is illegal at the moment. In most formats, uh, coaching is illegal. Drop shot and lob. Moon balls are number 11 and 12. So these are two of my favorite ploys that are legal, and these are ones that I do actively coach my players to use. The drop shot. Lob combination and moon balls are incredibly disruptive. They're 
really my favorite tools for psychological manipulation that are legal. So I would tell my former player who likes to mess around with the score, hey buddy, how about you use drop shot instead? When you're feeling that urge to get under your rival's skin, how about you use the drop shot and then maybe lob them and frustrate them that way instead of messing with the score because that is, that is completely illegal, but a drop shot is legal. Or how about you throw in some moon balls to change things up and drive someone bananas? That's a legal ploy, okay? So I included those here, but those are commonly used to mess up nice kids, you know, like nice kid playing a match and then maybe they're playing well and then, uh-oh, moon ball time or this kid starts dropping uh, the nice kid all the time and the nice kid completely uh, self, uh, self implodes or, or explodes or, or just lose, loses their cool and, and it's downhill from there. So watch out for those manipulations, drop shot, uh, lob and moon balls. They, they are very common in junior tennis. They're common in adult tennis. They work really, really well, and they are, uh, if you can remember anything from the show, uh, try to remember, don't cheat, but try to use the legal tools at your disposal to affect the outcome of the match. And that is part of the game, and, and it, it, you can call it psychological. And lob, and the moon ball is, is a legal tactic in the game and a very good uh, weapon for psychological warfare. I have number 13 grunting and number 14 making noise during the point. So gr grunting has been a, a topic of debate at the pro level with a lot of the, especially the women, uh, shrieking, grunting very loudly, sometimes uh, uh, it's a big controversy at the pro level where I believe there's limits on the decibels that the women can grunt during points. I think the WTA made a decibel rule, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it's common at all levels, and sometimes players will make uh, very loud grunts uh, that, uh, that are annoying, distracting. Sometimes players will make noises during the point. I have number 15 here that I can also include. Number 15 is bouncing around on the return of serve, squeaking, squeaking the feet. You know, that, that is a very common one too. So any, anytime uh, your opponent starts making weird noises, uh, that's, that's distracting. That is a form of manipulation. It is a gray area. It's sometimes legal and sometimes not. Like I said, they had to change the ruling on the WTA level because the, the, the grunting was getting so loud, it was distracting to the other player, uh, also to the fans and the audience. But, uh, you know, players were saying that they couldn't hear the ball being struck because it was, uh, the noise level was so loud and it's just, it was, uh, uh, very much a distraction during play. So that's something to watch out for. Grunting, noises, squeaking the feed. Any, any kind of excessive noise violation is usually designed to get you out of your flow, to get you out of the zone. Notice a common trend. All of these things are designed to get you off your A game, to get you to become distracted, to get you out of your zone state, your, where your, your high performance state, where you're, where you're able to play your best tennis and to try to get your, try to reduce the, uh, the level of your concentration and to try to get your, your tennis down to a lower level. They're trying to, those opponents are trying to pull you down from the heights of your game of where you're playing well. I have a, another comment here from Jake Sue. Thank you guys for tuning in during the day here. Uh, Jake says, a few kids in my kids point play class just started to moonball recently. My kid can moonball with the best of them, but I prohibit him to do it. How to deal with these moonballers? Well, I have a lot of strategies that I use with my students. When my students play a moonballer, I usually teach them to take the ball out of the air and play swinging volley. I think that is a critical skill for young kids, especially young kids, 10 and under, 12 and under, to learn, but probably at all levels, is when someone moonballs you with the high lob, you learn to come forward and take a swinging topspin volley out of the air, and that is the way to short-circuit that strategy. But 
I think in some ways it's a mistake to prohibit, you use the word prohibit, your own son from hitting a moon ball because I believe that a moon ball is a valid strategy. A lot of kids don't like high balls. A lot of players, what if you have someone with a one-handed backhand that you're playing against? Or someone who is diminutive, short. And it would be crazy to say you can't play a high ball against someone who's short. Why not? It's part of the game. So if your son is playing someone who's shorter or has a one-handed backhand or has a two-handed backhand just doesn't like high balls. Most kids don't like high balls. So why would you take off the menu a very good play that your son can use tactically against opponents who don't like high balls? What I think you should say to him is that uh, we want you to play good, solid power tennis, but we also want you to use your, your strategic mind. And if you're playing someone who doesn't like high balls, it would be, you'd be a lunatic to only hit them low power balls. So I think you should leave a little room for your son to make uh, his own strategic decision and, and for him to analyze the situation and determine whether it's a good time to hit a higher ball or not. Now, maybe uh, you don't want him to hit a soft moon ball. Maybe you can encourage him to hit a more aggressive topspin moon ball with uh, acceleration, for, for that matter. But what I like to say is that I don't think anything's off the table. We want to teach a young kid good power tennis, but it's wrong to say you can never hit a high shot. Just like it's wrong, I have parents who tell their kids never to drop shot, which I think is, is a big mistake because drop shot is an incredible tool. It's a tool for psychological warfare. It's a tool uh, to bring someone into the net if they're not comfortable at the net. What if your opponent has a bad overhead? What if your opponent doesn't have a good smash? You need the drop shot to bring them to net and expose that weakness. If you tell your kid never to drop shot, then you, you, you're teaching them to play uh, poor strategic tennis. You know, that's how I see that. Think about that. You know, you can agree or disagree, but that's my take on it. All right, number 16, sort of rounding out the list here. Cheering or celebrating loudly. I like that one. So, uh, funny story. We had a player here at the academy, and every time they won a point, they say, booyah. You know, you know the term booyah? But they say it really loud, like really annoying. I had to go up to the kid and say, dude, you have to stop saying that because not only it's driving all the players here in the, in the academy nuts, it's driving me mad as well. And I just want to smack you on the head every time you say it. But, but he loves saying booyah. And it was, it's actually a pretty good psychological tactic because it's, it's legal. You know, he, you can celebrate after a point. Well, it's really annoying. Like the way, if your opponent's doing something that's really annoying, like the way they talk or the way, they may not know they're doing it, but they probably do know. But that is a form of psychological manipulation, and it is pretty fair, you know, fairly common. You have a loud, obnoxious opponent. Like I said, they're grunting maybe. They're, they're squeaking their feet before the return is served. They're, they're making loud, obnoxious celebrations. You know, that kind of stuff is designed to get under your skin. That's designed to get you out of your flow. So, be on guard for that. Be ready for that. And understand that it's not just, it's usually not, it's usually, it's you, a player is usually doing that, uh, with, with forethought. You know, it's, it's premeditated. It's not just, are there some obnoxious kids that you play? Yeah. And they don't, they don't, it's not their intention to be obnoxious. They're just obnoxious. Yes. But, Usually when you're playing someone and they're being obnoxious, it's premeditated. They've, they put some forethought into it. It's a psychological ploy. All right. Number 17 and number 18. We're getting to the end of the list here, guys. These are my top 20. After you guys listen to the show, like if you catch the show on podcast, or, you know, not everyone can catch the show live. Please send me any ideas that you have for, for, um, dirty tricks that I didn't, that I missed, that I didn't include on the list because I started thinking of some extra ones and I bet you guys are probably racking your brains thinking about some dirty tricks too. Number 17, 18, insults and intimidation. So this is definitely more on the illegal level. There are players who will just plain insult you. Like they'll tell you all sorts of uh, things that I won't repeat here. They might use vulgar language. They might use, uh, use uh, terrible insults to you. They might say it quietly. They might say it loudly. 
depends on the situation. And downright intimidation. There are many times on a tennis court where a player can sort of intimate that they're going to kick your ass. You know, there's going to be actual physical uh, repercussions for whatever's happening in the match. Like they might find you out in the parking lot later or just the way they walk, the way they look at you. Like they, like they might, a, a lot of kids who are nice, well-meaning kids, they, they're actually fearful. Like they're fearful like they might get punched, they might get tackled, they might get hurt. You know, those threats can be, it's like basically like, like bullying. Like there's a lot of bullying happening on the tennis court, especially with larger players, players who have hit puberty, earlier than others, sometimes those players will be, can be very intimidating to play against. Like if your son or daughter is little and their opponent is, is already um, halfway through puberty, big six foot tall kid, you know, that's intimidating. And those players sort of have a way of walking around, you know, sometimes there are like shoulder bumps on the changeovers or they can just give you a menacing look. That's quite scary. So as a player, you have to be on guard for those types of intimidation, whether it's just insults or actual physical in- intimidation where you feel fearful and you have to learn to control that fear because usually there are no physical alt- altercations in tennis. You know, in, in other sports there are. In other sports sometimes it's allowed, like in hockey or in martial arts or boxing, and I, I do a lot of martial arts. Physical repercussions are, are are real. Like if you, someone doesn't like what you're doing, they, they're going to punch you or they're going to kick you or hurt you. And in tennis, usually that's not the case. You can, most kids, but, but some kids have that visceral fight or flight fear and it affects them. They actually feel like they're going to get hurt on some level. So you have to sort of manage that if you're one of those nice, well-meaning kids. Number 19, number 20, rounding out the top 20. Bouncing the ball many times on the serve I like that one. Like, like Djokovic does that sometimes. Or, or asking the score repeatedly. Uh, that one is really annoying when players will say, yeah, what's the score? That sort of relates to the earlier one where you're, you're changing the score. It's not outright cheating. It's, it's sort of a legal tactic, but it's designed to annoy you and to, and to get your mind thinking like, hey, what, what's the score? These guys, why does he keep asking me to score? Uh, and, 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 so, and that's another one you have to watch out for. And bouncing the ball many times in the service is sort of a form of stalling, right? Affecting the time and the rhythm of a match. So that sort of rounds out my top 20. What do you guys think? Is it a pretty good list? Did I miss any important ones? Jake Sue says, has a comment. Thanks for joining the show, Jake. Landsdorf says one way to not get cheated is to act like a tough guy from the beginning. Act confident. I, I love Landsdorf. Uh, I love a lot of things he says. I think he's quite brilliant. I, I don't agree with everything he says, but in this case, certainly the way you carry yourself on the court will, uh, will um, affect the opponent's decisions on what they can and cannot do. If you act confident and strong, you're probably less likely to get bullied, less likely to be abused. Uh, I, I use that term lightly, uh, uh, flexibly, you know, less likely to be uh, cheated or manipulated. But I think that there's no stopping a determined cheater. Uh, a, a determined, chronic cheater will always cheat. Like, there's nothing that's going to stop a chronic cheater. It's like someone who's addicted to smoking or drugs, or like an alcoholic, like, they cannot stop. So, there's, there's, it's, it's sort of a myth to say that, well, if you just sort of carry yourself well, uh, it, it's gonna be, it, the cheater probably won't, won't uh, have the boldness to do it. Like, they're gonna do it, no, no matter what. It's just part of their DNA, probably at that, at that point. So, yeah, that's one of the myths of cheating. I believe we did a show a couple of years ago where we talked about cheating and, and some of the myths regarding cheating, and I've written a number of articles on those. If you go to my blog, prodigymaker.com, you can find all of my articles on cheating, how to handle cheating, uh, but there's a number of myths regarding cheating like, like that, that might be one of them that if you act strong, no one's going to, uh, you know, the cheater's not going to cheat you. Another one is that cheating doesn't affect the outcome of a match, which is a complete myth, com- completely bogus, because cheating very much can affect the outcome of a match, especially if someone cheats on a big point. 
which makes tennis so, such a dangerous game because there are a lot of points that, that hold unequal weight in tennis. You know, not all points are worth the same. So in tennis, it's, it's, uh, there's a big payoff for cheating at the right time in tennis. So there's a number of myths regarding, if you're interested in those myths, uh, check out my blog, prodigymaker.com. You can email me or, or message me directly and I can, uh, sh- um, steer you in the right direction for those resources. Uh, because I have, this is a topic that I have put a lot of thought into and over the years as a coach, uh, of course, I've encountered this and worked on this with so many countless juniors and their families. It's, it's a very frustrating issue dealing with cheating. So guys, I hope the top 20 list helped you. I wanted to mention one that I did not include on the top 20. And as, and as soon as the article was finished, I, I said, oh, I knew it. I knew I missed a few good ones, but this one is, uh, it is a form of gaslighting. And I don't know if you're familiar with the term gaslighting, but I, I looked it up for you guys just to get the psychological definition. And basically what happens on the tennis court is what cheaters do a lot of times is they try to make you think that you are crazy. And the way that they do it, a lot of times they'll accuse you of being the cheater. And you're the nice kid or you're the good one. And they turn it around and make you feel like you are the cheater. And by the end of the match, you might be thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm not seeing these calls the right way. Or maybe I'm way off here. Maybe I'm the one. This kid seems pretty upset at me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong out here. And that is a form of gaslighting. So I, I looked up the psychological definition for you guys. Here's one definition. Gaslighting is a tactic in which a person or entity, in order to gain more power makes a victim question their reality. It is a common technique of abusers, dictators, narcissists, and cult leaders. So I would venture to tell you guys, it may be apropos uh, considering uh, today's political climate, but there are a lot of juniors who, who sometimes you can see the little, the little uh, dictators, the little abusers out there because they are extremely manipulative young children and they really are like little uh, bullies, you know, terrible bullies out there. And they use everything in their power to manipulate the person across the net. And when you, when you, when your child, if your child is a nice kid and they go to a tournament and they face a bully, a really bad cheater, manipulator, a, a basically a, uh, basically a bully, it, it is, sometimes such a negative experience that that your kid doesn't want to go back to the tournament ever again. They don't want to play another match like that ever again. They say, I'm not playing tournaments anymore. It's such a negative, unhealthy experience. So this is uh, this particular strategy, I think, is, is a big one because cheaters will try to twist reality and they'll try to make you think like you're the bad kid or you're the bad person. And another good definition that I found was to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. I like that one. That's from dictionary.com. So, guys, watch out for this. At the end of the day, you have your top 20, but within the top, you know, surrounding the top 20, all that, all those dirty tricks, they, you never know which one's going to be thrown at you. But remember, a good cheater, a real bully, a real manipulator is going to try to make you question your own sanity out there. Like you question your own reality. Like, hey, is this, is, is this really happening right now? Am I, am I, maybe my shot was out. You know, maybe this kid is, is arguing so well, he's twisting this around and, and making me feel like I'm the bad guy. Or, you know, uh, a lot of times cheaters will call the tournament director on you. Like they will, they will, Go off the court and get the torn director and bring him out and complain that you're the one cheating them. Which is a very good gaslighting ploy. So at the end of the day, you have, you, you have your list of tactics, dirty tactics, dirty tricks that you're watching out for. Remember, a cheater's gonna try to twist your reality. He's gonna try, he or she is gonna try to distort the match. And, and create and maybe even make you feel like you're doing something wrong. And that will, if you're a moral kid, if you're a nice kid, that's a great way to undermine your confidence and to get you again distracted from playing your best tennis. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. It's the Dirty T- Tricks Department, Top 20 Dirty Tricks. 
Like I said, I've written a lot about this subject. If you're interested in what I've written about cheating or how to handle cheating and gamesmanship, uh, the dirty tricks, like I said, I'll put a link to episode 42 in the podcast notes. Remember, we do the show live on Facebook and then the show gets, the audio of the show gets put into all the, the podcasting platforms so you can listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, any at any time and whether you're working out or driving in the car so i know that we get a lot of replays on the podcast you can also catch the show on our youtube channel which is the chris lewitt youtube channel but guys it's been my pleasure i've been doing a lot of coaching lately especially at the academy in vermont come visit anytime i'm here year round now the academy is running for the first time year round i'm very excited it's our new programming here if you want to come train with me uh, just give me a, shoot me an email, shoot me a message. And of course, I'm also coaching as always down in New York. But for the first time ever this year, I have year round training here at the Academy in Vermont. So I'm very excited about that. It used to be we just had a summer camp here. And now I'm here every week of the year, uh, throughout the winter, throughout the fall and the spring. And it's very exciting to have players coming to visit. We have full boarding for any of the players coming. You can stay for a week. You can stay for a month. You can live here for the year and train with me. So it's really cool. And it's the first time we ever did anything like that. So I'm very excited about that new program. And I just wanted to let you guys know that we're here year round now in the beautiful mountains of Vermont. So guys, it was a great show. Episode 45. It's a wrap. I'll see you guys next time. Vamos! Adios, amigos! We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Vamos! Vamos!